You're listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast with Pastor Dave Coop. This morning we're talking about the Father who heals. Last Sunday we're talking about the Father who protects. This series of messages is all about how we have a heavenly Father and His attributes make a really good blueprint for earthly dads. Next Sunday is Father's Day. We'll be talking about the nature of earthly fathers, what makes good fathers, how to celebrate fathers. So today we're talking about another attribute, another characteristic or, or nature of our Heavenly Father. Last week we spoke about God being the God who protects. In the, in, in the Hebrew it's Jehovah Ra'ah, the God who's a shepherd, the God who sees, the God who protects. And if you missed last week, I encourage you to go check out the message, get online and, and find it there and, and listen to it on that, uh, that way. We also have it by... Uh, podcast. We, we started that a couple of weeks ago. I haven't gone there yet myself. I need to go check that out. Apparently, we had to buy more uh, bandwidth because we had too many hits on it. Was, they surprised us. And so we're increasing that. A lot of you have already found that and you're doing that or somebody's finding it in the world and they're tapping into it, which is great. So if you missed last Sunday, I encourage you to listen to it because we're talking about the nature of God. One of his natures is to watch over you and to protect you. We talked about a woman in the Bible named Hagar, and we did a survey in all our services last week, and we found that nobody in any of our services was named Hagar. So it's obviously not a very popular name. But anyhow, her name was Hagar, maybe because they've read the cartoon Hagar the Horrible and just didn't figure it would fit for a child, which is not a bad idea. Anyhow, we talked about Hagar, and Hagar was this lady who was an Egyptian Slave ended up getting married as a concubine to Abram because Sarah couldn't have children. You have to hear the whole story. She leaves that family and she heads out into the desert. And in that desert place, she has an experience with God. She's pregnant. She's, she's in a hard spot. And God tells her, you know what? I'm watching over you. I'm seeing. I'm protecting you. And he asks her to go back to Abram, back to that situation But he doesn't just send her back to face a hard situation. He gives her a promise. His grace goes with her and she's able to go back. That's your God. He watches over you. And sometimes we hit a hard place in our life. We want to run from that hard place. We want to hide from that hard place. But God says, no, no, you need to go face that hard thing. But I will give you the grace and the strength to get over the hump, so to speak, and to keep going. We talked about Hillary Stepp. It's part of... The route climbing Mount Everest, when I read the book Into Thin Air, talked about Hillary's step. And near the top of the mountain, there's a very uh, tactical mountain climbing section called Hillary's step. And when you go up this piece, there's nowhere else to go but up it, but it's very challenging. You have to face that part of the mountain if you want to get to the top. And sometimes in our life, we have to face hard things to get to where we want to go, to our destiny. And God won't let you run from it. He, he brings you to that spot and says, now, you need to face it, but my grace is going to help you get over it. And sometimes we need a Sherpa to carry us over it. And God is there to help us get over that hard spot with his grace. So that was last week's message. And if you missed that talk about the God who protects, the God who sees and cares, that is his nature. And I encourage you to pick it up. This morning we're talking about the Father who heals. It is God's nature to heal us. And we read in Exodus chapter 15, verse 26, this is where this name of God is first used. There's something in the Bible called the law of first mention, where something is first mentioned. Last week we used Jehovah Ra, the God who sees, first mentioned with Hagar. David used it when he said, the Lord is my shepherd, used different times. This is the first place we see the God who heals. 
The Israelites are coming out of Egypt. You know the story. They come out of Egypt. They're now in the desert. And God reveals himself to them. And he says, I am the Lord who heals. I am the Lord Rapha. I am Jehovah or Yahweh, the God who heals. This is my nature. This is who I am. He reveals it to the people. He's still revealing that to us today. He wants us to know that is his nature. I read in the paper there was a father at the beginning of May or mid-May. He was admitted to the hospital and his son was admitted to the hospital. His son had been on dialysis since he was born. His son was three years old. He's a toddler and he'd always had dialysis. And so the dad gave him his kidney and the son is no longer on dialysis. He never will be again. He's been healed thanks to a father and some good doctors and some prayers. That boy is healed. The neat thing about this story was not just the nature of a good dad. The guy's a firefighter and a great dad. He says, I love my son enough. I'm going to give him one of my kidneys. And, and he did that. That's, that's the nature of a good father to do that. The neat thing about the story was that it was the first operation that has ever been twittered. And so the family was out there in the waiting room and the the nurses and doctors twittered every step of the way. He was in one hospital getting his kidney out and his son was in the children's hospital and they're getting ready to receive it. And so you can actually go on the internet and you can read about every five minutes they got a Twitter, what's happening. And as you read it, you really get engaged in the story and it talks about, okay, the kidney has now left the hospital. The kidney has arrived. The kidney is being unpackaged. The kidney looks pink. It's it's kind of an interesting story. The kidney has landed in the boy. He is now being stitched up. And uh, so it's an amazing story. And then at the end of it, it's a success. And you have this whole story of about a father who cares enough to give his child his kidney. And the excitement there was in in the dad to see his son healed. Now think of an earthly father does that. How much more would your heavenly father be excited to see you healed and get excited when you get better? I think it just makes sense that this would be the nature of our, of our heavenly father. As Cheryl mentioned, we have these connect cards and prayer cards. And every week we pray for a lot of people on Tuesday mornings. One of the biggest needs is healing. A lot of requests come in prayer for healing. One this week I just wouldn't leave me. And it was one of our single dads in the church. And he send in a request, prayer for his son. And the request was his son's 15, and he had discovered needles in the bag that he brought home from school. And he said, please pray for my son. He's 15, and he's on heroin. And I just can't shake that. I just keep finding myself praying for his son again and again. And I believe there's a God who can heal from a heroin addiction. I believe that this boy of 15 does not have to spend the rest of his life, and it would be a short life, on heroin. So it touches our heart. And if it touches our heart, how much more does it touch God's heart that he wants to heal? Whether it be an addiction, a sickness, uh, 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 something in your soulless realm. But there is a God who heals. His name is Jehovah Rapha. And he reveals his nature to us. Jesus, when he was, he was, he was on earth... He had said to Philip at one point, Philip came to him in John chapter 14. It's in your notes as John chapter 4, so there's a typo error there. There's a mistake. If you want to go then, just change it to John 14. We have a very, very sharp Saturday night class, a Saturday night congregation, and they spotted it right away. So, you know, they're just on top of it. So yeah, anyhow, you probably already spotted it, didn't you? You might have already changed it. You probably already got that filled in. No, no, that's John 14. You got that. Anyhow, it is John 14. And uh, Philip comes to the Lord, and he said, I want to see the Father. Now, 
Jesus responds to him in verse 9, Philip, don't you even yet know who I am, even after all the time I've been with you? Now listen to what Jesus says here. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking to see him? If you've seen what I've done, if you saw the way I treated people, if you saw my kindness, if you saw the way I healed people, if you saw the way I treated other people, fed them, helped them, had compassion on them, that's your heavenly Father. So if we want to know what God the Father is like, look how Jesus treated people. That's how God the Father is. And we see Jesus healing a lot of people. So it explains who God the Father is. He is a Father who heals. This morning we want to talk about that, how God heals today. Jesus demonstrated that. He talked in Matthew chapter 4. He went all over Galilee. It's there in your notes. He used synagogues for meeting places, taught people the truth of God. Underline that if you like, taught people the truth of God. I would imagine he taught the truth of God, being that his name is Jehovah Rapha, that he's the God who healed. He taught them that truth, and after teaching that truth, it says he taught them about the kingdom, the government, and then he healed people of all their diseases. Why would he do that? Because he had already taught them the truth that God heals. And then he went about and he healed them. Acts tells us that he healed... In the next page you have in your notes, Acts 10.38, no doubt you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good, healing all. What is the nature of the Father? To do good, to heal all. That's, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What did Jesus do? He did good, he healed all. So this is the nature of our Lord. Now let me say, as we talk about this, we're going to talk about how, how do we receive healing? How does that healing come into our life from God the Father? For every mile of road, there's two mile of ditch. We've said that before. And the same thing can be said in regards to healing. There's one side of the ditch where it says, like, oh, God doesn't heal anymore. I was in that ditch. I don't know where I picked it up. But as a kid, I picked up the fact that God doesn't heal anymore. And maybe where I picked it up was because I, I had a condition on my hands that the doctors said would never go away. They said it was incurable. They could give me medication. They could give me ointment. But for the rest of my life, I would have a condition. The condition was called weeping eczema. And my hands would get little bumps on it. And then it begin to blister. And they called weeping because a lot of stuff came out of it. It was ugly. It was gross. And it would weep out. Out of there and then it would dry up and my hands would crack and get bloody and then that cycle would repeat itself and I was embarrassed I had it when I was a little boy my mom gave me cream and then she gave me my sister's gloves my sisters used to wear gloves to church on special occasions they don't do that anymore but little white gloves you know and here I'm a guy and she asked me where my sister's gloves and it didn't go right. I, I, I sometimes took them off at night. You know, I just didn't want to wear my sister's gloves. It was, anyhow, I, she, I had to wear these gloves at night with this medication. And they said, for the rest of your life, you're going to have this. Now, if I met you, I, I had my hands in my pocket and I wouldn't shake your hand. And you say, hey, and you would think, well, what's wrong with that guy? He won't shake my hand. I didn't want to shake your hand because it was either bloody or it was pussy. So he didn't want to shake my hand. I kept it in my pocket. I was embarrassed. I hated that thing. It was a curse. It was a, they said I'd have it the rest of my life. And some seasons it was worse than other. Sometimes over the summer it cleared up. And then other times it was worse. And then when I was in my 20s, I, I thought, well, in my 20s we got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we had a new hunger for God's Word. One thing the Holy Spirit does is He gives you hunger for God's Word. And I couldn't stop reading the Bible. I get on the bus and I read the Bible. I go to work and I read the Bible. On my break, I read the Bible. And I, I came across Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8 that said, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I, a light went on. Wait a minute. 
maybe he, no, 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 maybe he still heals today because he's the same. I was in a ditch, thought that it would never happen again. But all of a sudden, the revelation came, no, Jesus still heals today. Then I read Malachi 3, 6. I'm the Lord thy God who changes thoughts. So I thought, he is the God who heals. He hasn't changed. Hello, that means he'll still heal today. That means he'll heal me. Now, I know that may be very simple for you, but for me, it was an aha moment. Like, hello, I just got out of the ditch and realized it was for me. The other side of the ditch, one side of the ditch is, no, no, God doesn't do that anymore. And the other side of the ditch is, well, if you don't have enough faith, that's not why you're not healed. If you really need to trust God, throw away your medicine, throw away your glasses. And it, it just, it goes to the other extreme. And there's, there's, there's been damage done on that side. There's been damage done on the other side of the road. But there's a middle of the road where we know that God heals today. And we, it's better to walk down the middle of the road. We've seen both sides of the ditches, and it's better just to be in the middle of the road. So in your handout there, we have keys to healing. And the first thing is really what I found for me that it was, yeah, I understand it's for you. Exodus fifteen twenty six says, for I am the Lord who heals you. And I have a question for you this morning. Who do you think the you is? The you is you. <laughs> That's who the you is. In verse uh, 24, 1 Peter chapter 2, he personally carried away our sins in his own body on the cross so we can be dead to sin and alive for what is right. You, again, who do you think the you is? The you is you. You have been healed by his wounds. See, when I read these verses and the penny dropped into my heart and I realized he's talking about me. It's just a light went off. God's talking about me. David Coop, you have been healed. I want to heal you. It's not for somebody else in another time, in another country, in another place. It's for you right now where you are. I got God, this is for me. And that's when I began to say, okay, God, I'm going to receive healing for my hands. Psalm 103.3, who forgives all your iniquities. Aren't you glad he forgives all your iniquities? And he also heals all your diseases. Sometimes it amazes me. People can believe he, he's forgiven all my iniquities, but I can't believe he healed all my diseases. It's, it's the same package. You can't separate the two. It comes together. I love David when he writes this, Psalm 103. If you've never really gone into that chapter, it's a good chapter to get into. He says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless the Lord. He's a psalmist. He was a writer, a singer, a warrior. I can just see this champion. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. He pardons all your iniquities. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. Some of our lives were in a pit. And he took us out of a pit. You know what redeem means? It means you had to buy your way out of the pit. You couldn't get out. God paid the price with his son to get you out of the pit. Who redeems your life from the pit. And then he crowns you with everlasting kindness. That's what David said. Bless the Lord, O my soul. He, who's the your? You're the your. That's what he's talking about. It's for you. So if we want to receive healing in our lives, we have to understand when we say Jehovah Rapha heals, it's for us personally. Uh, that's a big thing to get out of the ditch. I didn't know the truth. And as a result of it, my hands weren't free. But when I learned the truth, my hands were free. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Now catch this. The promises of God are not hidden from you. The promises of God are hidden for you. You have to kind of search around for them. At Easter time, we hide uh, eggs for our kids or 
baskets, whatever, you know. When they were younger, we'd hide these baskets. We still do. We still hide the stuff. They, I thought kind of now that they're older, they would no, no, but we still have to hide the stuff. And so we'll hide them, but we don't hide it from them. We hide it for them. There's a difference because they'll be in the house and looking for their eggs. We'll go, no, 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 you're getting hotter, hotter. Now you're colder, 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 hotter, hotter. You're burning up. You're burning up. You're right there. You know, that's how God does with the promises for us. He's like, come on, I want to get you close to my promise. He wants us to seek him out. He wants us to discover him. I discovered that Jehovah Rapha is the God who heals. And I remember the highway I was driving down. I began to pray and ask God to heal my hands. And you know what happened when I did that? It got worse. That's serious. It got worse. And I went, oh no. It used to be between my fingers, but it started to creep down my hands. And I couldn't go shopping with the shopping cart. I had to say to my wife, you push the shopping cart. Because when I pushed the shopping cart, my hands would weep on the shopping cart. It was gross. So I couldn't push the shopping cart. It was very inconvenient. And then I remember it started to get down onto my wrist. I thought, oh no, it's going to be all over my arms. And the enemy came and said, you know, now it's over. You're going to have this all over your body. You should have never asked God for healing. You should have just left it the way it was. I go, that doesn't make any sense. And so I said, no, I am not going to go do that. I'm going to believe God's word over what I'm seeing. Because the Bible says a just shall live by faith and not by sight. God gave you five natural senses to operate in the natural world. But he gave everyone a gift of faith, a measure of faith, to operate in the supernatural, the divine world. And so I realized I couldn't win this with my five natural senses. I would take faith. Faith says, God, I trust you, even though it doesn't make sense. I was driving down the road, I was struggling with this, and I can show you the piece of highway where God spoke to me, and he said so clearly, just start thanking me now. You've asked, now just thank me. And so I just said, okay, I'll do that. I'll start thanking you. And I had to change the way I spoke. He, he got on my case about that. Because I was saying, I'm going to have this the rest of my life. This is, I'm going to have this. My kids are going to have it. I'm going to have it. It's just, you know, it was, what I was saying didn't agree with what he said. You have to kind of get an agreement with God. If you say one thing, God says something else. It's better just to know that God knows more than you do and agree with him. So I just started agreeing with God. And I started to thank him. Nothing changed for the first month. Nothing changed for the second month. But the third month, I noticed... It was wintertime when usually it was the worst. It was really quite a bit better. Well, a year later, it was gone. And it, I was in recovery. Sometimes I wish God would always just heal just like that and you just have an instant miracle. We see some of those from time to time, but it's not as common. Usually it's recovery. But now it's been probably 26, 27 years that it's been gone from my life. Every once in a while, it'll try to come back. I'll have to say, wait a minute, no, 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 no. You don't get to come into my life. So you have to treat sickness and disease like a rattlesnake. You know, sometimes sickness comes in our home, we treat it like a puppy. Oh, come here, nice puppy, nice little cold. Yeah, so everybody come get their cold. It's going around. We all want to have the cold now. And we treat it like a puppy, you know. We, we pet that thing. Don't pet that thing. Kick it out. You, know, you won't be in my house. You have, to, you have to fight against that thing. And we encourage you to fight it on every front. 
As a family, in our home, what we do is we, we, we fight it with changing our diet. Sometimes we have to change our diet, our exercise. Sometimes it's changing what's in our heart. We've, we've allowed anxiety or unforgiveness or bitterness. It can affect our health. So we have to fight it on that soulish realm. We have to fight it spiritually with God's Word. That's the number one approach. And then also you have to fight it physically. You know, we, if we need an antibiotic, we get a good antibiotic. But we fight it on every front. We need a medication. We'll fight it on that front. We'll fight it with the way we're thinking about it. We'll fight it with the verses and quoting God's word. But we don't, we don't mess around with sickness. We don't want it. We're going to resist it. We don't want a pity party. We don't want to pet this thing. We don't want people to say, oh, I feel so bad for you that you're sick. No. We appreciate your prayers. But I, don't want, I, don't, I want to fight that thing off and out of my home. And I think that's God's view. He, he doesn't want us to put up with it. He doesn't want us sick. So number one is understand it is for you. That's the first point. Secondly is understand you can't separate the healer from the Savior. Nor can you separate healing from salvation. This thing comes together. What I mean by that is, and I say that because we sometimes have people say, you know, pray for me. I want God to heal me, but I, I don't want Jesus in my life. I want, I, want, I want to be prayed for, but I don't want God in my life. Well, you can't separate the two. This is about a relationship. This is not about a religion. See, if we know that he's our father, Jesus taught us to pray, our Father which art in heaven, right? It's a Father. It's a relationship. Jesus didn't come to start another religion. He didn't say, well, we're going to have, you know, down the road, we're going to have the, the Jewish religion, the Muslim religion, the Hindu religion, the Buddhist religion, and then I will start the Christian religion. I will start another religion. Jesus did not come to start another religion. He came to give us a relationship with God the Father. We mess it up when we put everything in all these boxes. He came to give us a relationship when my wife came into my life and I married her, I did not get the marriage religion. I got a relationship. And when Jesus came into my life, another person, as literal as my wife, he is a person. He walks with me. He talks with me. There is a very real Jesus in my life and in your life. When he came into my life, I didn't get the Christ religion. I got a relationship to lives Two relationships. I have a relationship with my wife, and I have a relationship with my Lord. It's a relationship. And when I embrace Him as Savior, it includes salvation. Salvation means, if you look it up in the Greek, it means healing, preservation of mind, eternal life. It means it's a package thing. So when you accept Jesus, you've accepted Him as your healer. That's who He is. To say, oh, you know what I want... I'd like to be healed, but I don't want Jesus like saying, hey, can a plumber come over and fix my sink, but you can't come in my house. I want my sink fixed, but you can't come in my house. No, no, if you want Jesus to heal you, he's going to come in your house. It's a package deal. I read one man when I was doing my studies in the Middle East, and he said, I, I, I am not a Christian. He, you know, how do you say it? He said, I'm not a believer. I'm actually an atheist, but I'm a Christian. And they said, well, how can that be? He said, no, you don't understand. Christianity is my tribe. It's my tribe. But I'm not, I'm not a believer. Well, Christianity isn't a tribe. It's not a religion. This is a relationship. I know I'm spending some time on it, but this is a really, really important point for walking in health and receiving from Jehovah Rapha. We must know that this is based in a relationship. 
Abba Father, my Daddy. Think of the Father. Think of God as your Heavenly Father. And it's so much easier to receive His words and His promises for health in your life. It takes away a lot of the confusion over it. Religion mixes it up for us. Forgiveness and healing will go together. I give you some verses there. You can study them out. There's a lot of verses that bear that out, that they go hand in hand. Sometimes we see when people give their life to the Lord that they're healed at that moment. Or we, we often see it at baptism, that when they get baptized, we've had a number of times, people are healed at baptism. We had a lady come to church, and she was from Hawaii. She lived here. She lived in Hawaii, two homes, and found the Lord here in Vancouver. Water baptism happened at English Bay, just like we're going to have in July. So we all went down the beach. She was water baptized. She had an incurable disease. The doctor said, have it the rest of her life. That day when she came up out of the water, she said, I felt God's presence. Something just flowed through my body. She says, I walked in pain all my life. But when I walked out of that water baptism, out of the ocean that day, out of my baptism... I noticed no pain. I thought, well, that's strange. Maybe it's because I was in the water, it was cold. And then she walked up through the West End, came back to church. We had a testimony night. And she said, she checked herself out. She says, it's God. Jesus healed me. He forgave my sins and he healed me. It comes together. Communion is remembering the body broken for us, remembering the blood that was spilled for us. These things are connected. She was so excited. She says, you know, I should have got baptized really in Hawaii. It's a lot warmer than English Bay was today. But she says, here I am. I'm so glad that Jesus healed me. It's often connected. And we see it in the scriptures. I'll give you a number of verses there you can look up. The, the, the two are connected. Then thirdly, when we trust God for healing, is to ask the Father for healing according to his promises. God's very honored when we ask him. A dad is honored when he's asked. It's actually honoring. to Father, can you help me with this? A dad says, oh, I'd love to help you. I want to get involved with your life. I want to be there with you. I, I talked to one of the guys in the church last night, and he was tell, telling me he's in, in his 30s now, and he's, he, he's doing something he always dreamt of doing, and that's racing motorbikes. And he said, I asked my dad to run the pit crew for me. He says, my dad's loving it. He's running the pit crew for me, and he's winning races, and he's riding motorbike. And, and his dad was so honored that he would be asked to, to be involved in that. Well, your father's really honored when you ask him, Hey, father, I'm fighting something. Can you get involved in my life? He's honored when we ask him. He wants us to be, he wants us to ask him. In Mark, there's an example of a man who was blind. And Jesus says to him, What do you want me to do for you? Well, obviously, Jesus knew what he wanted. He wanted to see. But he's getting him to ask. What do you want me to do for you? And he says, well, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has healed you. And instantly the blind man could see. Then he followed Jesus down the road. Something about following Jesus. When he touches your life, you follow Jesus. This blind man followed Jesus. You could not talk him out of Jesus. When Jesus touches your life, maybe it was an addiction, or maybe it was a healing, or maybe it was emotionally, or somehow Jesus has touched your life. You sing that song, we sometimes sing at baptism. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. No, none go with me, still I will follow. I have decided to follow Jesus. This blind man says, I have decided to follow Jesus. Two come together. I'm so glad he touched my life. I'm so glad he's touched your life. We get to follow him. But this guy had to ask. We need to ask. I've, I found something strange here that we hadn't really experienced in other places we've lived been here since 1994 and every once in a while i've never had this anywhere else in the world except here it doesn't mean that it doesn't happen elsewhere but i just haven't experienced it 
is when I go to pray for some people, an odd time, well, maybe once a year or so, this will come up. I go to pray for somebody, they go, you know what, don't pray for me. No, no, pray for others, but don't pray for me. There's others that probably need a lot more than I do, so don't pray for me. Just don't, don't, don't waste your prayers on me. I'm fine, and, and I'd rather not even ask. Do you know God finds it very offensive? The Bible says in Revelation, Jesus says, I have this against you. You have said, I have need of nothing. It's there in your verse, in your handout, Revelation 3.17. You say, I'm rich, I have everything I want, I don't need a thing. You don't realize you're wretched, you're miserable, you're poor, you're blind, you're naked. You have an attitude, I have my life together, that's somebody else in some other country. Thank you very much, God, I don't need you. God says, you're lukewarm, you're neither hot nor cold, you make me gag, you make me want to puke. Your attitude. You, got, you don't realize it, you're miserable. You live in the nicest city of the world, have all this stuff, but your attitude stinks. That's how Jesus addresses it. Mr. and Mrs. Amen have since left the congregation here now. And anyhow, <laughs> Jesus just nails it. You can't have that attitude. If you think, I have need of nothing, you won't get anything. So I don't know if I believe in healing. I don't believe God will heal me. Don't worry. He'll never bother you about it. Don't worry about it. He'll never trouble you if you have that attitude. But if you seek the truth, if you go looking for God, I need you. Humble yourself. He gives grace to the humble. But quite frankly, he opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. When we get desperate and say, God, I need your help. Leonard Raven, he was a great author, great speaker. He said this, God does not answer prayers. I was listening to him on tape. I thought, wait a minute, Ravenhill, I know that's not true. I know God answers prayer. He paused for a real long time for effect. I was waiting, come on, finish this sentence. And then he went on to say, God does not answer prayers. God answers desperate prayers. There's a lot of truth to that. God answers a, a prayer where he says, God, I need you. So God likes us to ask when it comes to healing. Oh, not enough time for this message. I got a call one time from a fellow who operated a couple of oil wells for us in Saskatchewan when we were living out there, and, and uh, this was a number of years ago, and his name was Bill. Bill called and says, Dave, I need your help. And when Bill called, I knew usually what it meant. That means something broke down and he needed my help. That it meant write out a check is what that meant. I said, okay, I braced myself. What went wrong? What do you need? You need whatever it was. I was just bracing myself for the news. And I said, what broke, Bill? What happened? He said, oh, no, nothing broke. My daughter has been in a very serious accident. She was hit by another uh, uh, off-road three-wheeler, and she's in the hospital. She's got uh, pneumonia, broken bones, but worst of all, she, they say she has brain damage, and if she lives, she'll be a vegetable the rest of her life. And Bill's, he's, he, he's broken. He's crying on the phone. And Bill and I had often had coffee together in his home. We'd get together. He's... He was a, a good Catholic. Well, I don't know if a good Catholic. He was a Catholic. He went to church a couple times a year. You know, Christmas, Easter, that kind of a churchgoer. That's, but he had a love for God, feared God, and knew enough to call. We'd talk about the, the Bible. We'd pray together. And, and so he called me up. He says, can you come pray for my daughter? So I went to the hospital. Cheryl's dad came with me. The three of us went to the hospital. And she's in emergency. And if you've ever been in an emergency, you know what it's like. Nurses are busy around, running around, hooking up people. It's quiet. and It's a very serious place. And we're in the emergency room. And I'm on one side. And uh, Cheryl's dad's on the other side. And Bill's there. And Bill says, what do we do? And we said, we ask God. 
That's what we do. We ask God to heal her. And it looked like no hope. No hope. The machines, she's just lying there still like a corpse. And there's a dad who's just, this is his little girl. She's like 15 and she's her little darling. And the doctor said if she lives, she's going to be a vegetable. Where do you go? What do you do when that happens? Aren't you glad you got a God you can go to? So around her that day, we prayed. And we just said, God, come, heal this girl. We remind you of who you are. Come and heal her. Nothing much changed there that day. A month later, the doctors came to Bill. They brought two sets of x-rays. They said, Bill, here's the x-rays when she came in, and here's the x-rays today. Something took place between these x-rays and these x-rays that we must tell you we had nothing to do with. We can't figure it out. Here there's brain damage, and here there's no brain damage. Here there's pneumonia, and here there's no pneumonia. We don't get it. We don't understand it. And Bill looked at me and says, but we do. We know who did this. God healed her. Three months later, I went to Bill's house, visited him there in the farm. And when I opened the door, his daughter came skipping down the stairs. She was normal. She was healed. In that little town of Shaughnessy, Saskatchewan, the Catholic Church was filled, the United Church was filled, and the Alliance Church was filled. They'd all been praying. It wasn't just us. We'd all prayed. It changed the town. They, they knew this girl had been changed because there was a God who heals, a God who cared. And it didn't just affect her and her family. It affected an entire town. When God touches people's lives, it'll affect the family, it'll affect the community. It affects a lot of people. But Bill had to ask, and it changed. Then also, number four, when we want to see God's healing, it's good to know that we should let his, our words and our actions demonstrate that we trust what our Father said. If the doctor says to you, you know, here's your prescription. Jorge, here's your prescription. Take three pills a day. This is your antibiotics. You need to take three pills a day. And you need to take the whole prescription. Don't quit halfway through it. This won't be any good unless you take the whole prescription. You got to do the whole thing. What do we do? We listen to the words of our doctor. And we take the whole prescription because we know it's good for us, right? Or if we have a postmaster and he says, I have, Mike, I got a parcel for you. It's a registered parcel and it's come from Saskatchewan. The, the, and and you, what would you do? You would act on the words of the postmaster. You'd head over to the post office and say, man, where's this registered parcel for me? You'd act on the words of it. Or if we had uh, a banker, and the banker says, phones up Kevin, says, Kevin, somebody has deposited $100,000 into your account. It's all legit. What would you do? You'd act on the words of the banker. You'd be on online real quick. and say, let me see where this is. I got plans for the $100,000, right? We'd act on the words of it. Well, your heavenly father has given you words. And his word, he said, he holds above his name. He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. The banker might miss it. The doctor might miss it. The postmaster might miss it. But God won't miss it. His words can be trusted and relied. And I give you a number of scriptures that talk about his word. Look at Proverbs 4, 21 and 22. Don't lose sight of my words, God says. Let them penetrate deep within your heart, for they bring life, radiant health to anyone. That means all of us who discovers their meaning. Just go looking for him. God's word are there to bring life to us. So we need to act on his words. Trust his word. Oh, I wish we had more time. On this, 
we don't have time, but I'll tell you where you can learn more about this. This coming Monday night, tomorrow night, Nikki Gumbel in the Alpha Course talks about does God still heal today? And so I'd encourage you to come out for that talk. Here's a little bit of what Nikki says out of his book, and then we're going to wrap up. God is a God who heals. The Greek word that means I save also means I heal. God is concerned not just about our spiritual salvation, but about our whole being. One day we shall have a new perfect body. In this life we never reach perfection. When God heals someone miraculously today, we get a glimpse of the future when the final redemption of our bodies will take place. Not everyone we pray for will necessarily be healed. Of course, no human being can ultimately avoid death. Our bodies are decaying. At some point, it may be right to prepare a person for death rather than praying for their healing. Indeed, the love and concern shown to dying people by the hospice movement and others give dignity to the terminally ill and is another outward working of Jesus' commission to care for the sick. So we need to be sensitive to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And it's true. Not everyone we pray for has always been healed. Sometimes they need to go on to be home with the Lord. And we, we deal with that. When Cheryl's father went home to be with the Lord a couple of years ago, you know, we, we wanted him to be healed. But his faith was used in another way. His faith was used to go to heaven. That's faith. He's 100% today. So that was faith. And sometimes we, we, we don't have all the answers. But Nikki goes on here to say, what we need to do is pray a lot. The more people we pray for to be healed, the more people will be healed. There's times we don't understand it. But we leave that up to God. Our role is to pray for people. Sometimes there's an appointed time. It's their time to go. So we trust God with that. That's faith as well. Does not take away at all from God's nature to heal and to trust him totally upon his word that he brings healing for us. The last way is to have people pray for you, okay? Sometimes when, we, when, we're, when we're sick... We, we, we just hurt too much to have our faith really be strong. And so the good thing to do then is get somebody to pray for you. And there's a couple ways to do that. You can have people lay hands upon you, which is good. Bible says lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And when you're being prayed for and you're believing for healing, it's good to say, I'm believing for recovery. When my hands were still sick and hurting, I was saying, oh boy. I didn't say, I'm going to have this the rest of my life. You know, I'm going to die with this thing. So no, I'm being healed. I am in recovery. I'm getting better. I was trying to speak what God was saying. Another way is to be anointed with oil. And we have oil up front here. We anoint people with oil. And uh, the Bible says, if you're sick, let them call for the elders of the church. Don't be afraid to call. We'll pray for you. Anoint with oil. And the Lord will raise them up. And if there are any sins, they'll be forgiven. Now, I want you to know the oil that we have here at the church. You'd be glad to know this. This is Nazareth Village Olive Oil, okay? So we have the real deal. Matter of fact, I'm thinking of putting little little vials and we'll sell for $10 a piece, you know? (laughs) Along with your special spring water. We'll have two for one special. (laughs) And we'll give you a little piece of the cross. We'll throw that in at no extra cost. Don't you just love the gimmicks you see out there? How many know it's not the oil, right? I mean, you could pull your dipstick out of your car and use 10W30, and it would work just as good as this. I had a pastor friend. He was praying for somebody. He said, oh, the guy says, you've got to anoint me with oil. You've got to anoint me with oil. And he was working on his car. He was a pastor. He was busy, and he just wanted to, he just wanted to get the job done. But somebody had come to his house. He says, pastor, anoint me with oil. And he says, all right, come over here. He whipped out his dipstick, wiped it off, dirty, 1030 oil, put his hands on him, prayed for him. The guy was surprised, but he got healed, so. (laughs) Anyhow, get somebody to agree with you, to pray with you. You don't have to do it on your own. Have somebody pray with you. Sometimes we just need 
an extra agreement in prayer. So don't, don't stand on your own. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org.